booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. Ukraine may be bowing to Russia. President Zelensky says Ukraine will not become a member of NATO. Russia's war on Ukraine has claimed the lives of two Fox News journalists. A fallback spring ahead may become a thing of the past as Congress considers making daylight saving time permanent. More evidence of soaring inflation under the Biden administration. New York City's vaccine mandate could bench some unvaccinated Major League Baseball players for the Mets and the Yankees. Here's your top five at five. Ukraine will not become a member of NATO. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says Ukraine must accept the decision. The statement could pave the way for a possible end to Russia's war on Ukraine. Of course, Ukraine is not the NATO member. We understand that. We are quite adequate regarding our understanding. We have heard for many years about the open doors, but we also heard that we can't enter those doors. And this is truth, and we have simply to accept it as it is. Negotiators hailed substantial progress during peace talks over the weekend without revealing further details. Ahead of the invasion, Russian President Vladimir Putin had been demanding Ukraine never join NATO, Putin also demanded the removal of all the alliance's troops and weapons from ex-Soviet countries. Zelensky addresses Congress at 9 a.m. President Biden has also announced an additional $800 million in U.S. aid to Ukraine, bringing total U.S. assistance to $1.2 billion. Two Fox News journalists have been killed in Ukraine Freelance journalist Pierre Zakruski and freelance journalist Oleksandra Kovshinova died when their vehicle was struck by gunfire on Monday. Here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. He is someone who um, has served in many war zones um, over the course of time. He was a war zone photographer who covered nearly every international story for Fox News, from Iraq to Afghanistan to Syria during uh, his long tenure working there. So we just, our thoughts, our prayers are with his family, with the entire community uh, as well. Um, Kanchanova was just 24 years old and Zakruski was 55 years old. U.S. Senate Tuesday okayed a bill that would make daylight saving time permanent. The legislation now heads to the U.S. House of Representatives for a vote. The bipartisan legislation known as the Sunshine Protection Act was introduced by Florida Senator Mark, I beg your pardon, Florida Senator Marco Rubio back in March 2019. I know this is not the most important issue confronting America, but it's one of those issues where there's a lot of agreement. And I think a lot of people wonder why it took so long to get here. And if the House approves this measure, President Biden signs it. The legislation would not take effect until the fall of 2023. The delay would give airlines, railroads and other mass transit operators time to adjust their schedules. The return to daylight savings time began Sunday, March 13th, and is scheduled to return to standard time on November 6th. A squeeze is on consumers. Wholesale inflation in the U.S. shot up 10 percent last month from a year ago. The U.S. Labor Department says the producer price index rose 0.8 percent from January. 
Wholesale energy prices were up 33.8% over the past year. Food prices up 13.7%. The report did not include price changes after February 15th when energy prices spiked after Russia invaded Ukraine nine days later. Last week, the government reported that surging gas, food and housing costs pushed consumer prices up 7.9% in February from a year earlier. That's the sharpest spike since 1982. Well, New York City's workplace vaccine mandate has already benched the Nets' Kyrie Irving for home games. And now players for the New York Mets and the New York Yankees may be striking out as well. Major League Baseball and the teams are aware of New York City's vaccine mandates, which prohibit unvaccinated players from being in a workplace. The league and the two New York teams aren't commenting, though, and neither is Yankees right fielder Aaron Judge. He was asked by reporters if he was vaccinated, but brushed it off. I'm, I'm so focused on you know, just getting to the first game of spring training, so I think we'll, we'll cross that bridge whenever um, you know, the time comes. But right now, so many things could change, so I'm not really too worried about that right now. The situation could be resolved prior to the New York-based portion of the season. That is scheduled to begin on April 7th, and that's when the New York Yankees will host the Boston Red Sox. The New York ordinance does not differentiate between indoor and outdoor work spaces. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our high 61. Overnight, increasing clouds, a low down to 44. Tomorrow, a 50% chance of rain, cloudy skies with a high of 54. And right now, 40 degrees, partly clear skies here in Manhattan. Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. President Joe Biden heads to a NATO summit meeting in Brussels. That'll happen on March 24th. Biden will also attend the EU summit, the European Union meeting, on the same day. The meeting is to talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki details the purpose of the president's trip. The president will travel to Brussels, Belgium later this month, where he will join an extraordinary NATO summit on March 24th to discuss ongoing deterrence and defense efforts in response to Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack on Ukraine, as well as to reaffirm our ironclad commitment to our NATO allies. Also said Biden and European leaders will discuss response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The White House is not saying if President Biden will visit NATO member countries along Ukraine's border or if Biden will meet directly with Ukrainian President Zelensky. The prime ministers of the Czech Republic, Poland and Slovenia traveled to Ukraine's capital city of Kiev on Tuesday in a show of support for Zelensky. Well, yet another defeat for President Joe Biden. Sarah Bloom Raskin, President Biden's embattled pick for the Federal Reserve's top banking regulator, withdrew her nomination on Tuesday. Republicans and key Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia opposed Raskin's nomination. Manchin has been a key swing vote in the 50-50 U.S. Senate. Manchin cited Raskin's stance on energy in the era of sky-high inflation. Here's Pennsylvania Republican Senator Pat Toomey on Fox Business with Larry Kudlow. We're not getting honest, straightforward answers to important questions about what appears on the surface to be highly unusual. And I think that means we shouldn't be voting. 
Biden tapped Raskin earlier this year to serve as the Fed's vice chair for supervision. Her nomination was welcomed by progressive senators and advocacy groups who hoped she would take a tougher stance against Wall Street than her predecessor, Randall Quarles. In a letter to Biden obtained by The New Yorker, Raskin actually blamed relentless attacks by special interests who opposed her view that climate change could pose a threat to economic stability for derailing her nomination. Apprehensions of illegal immigrants at the southwestern border increased from January to February. Monthly data released by Customs and Border Protection shows a 6.6% increase in these apprehensions to 165,000 in February under the Biden administration. Border officials say 30% of those attempting to illegally cross the U.S.-Mexico border had attempted to do so at least once during the past year. Here's ICE Director Tom Homan on Fox News. So far, we're on track this year to break, to break last year's numbers. And last year's numbers were at a historic high, the highest illegal immigration numbers we've ever seen in the history of the station. And we're on par to beat, it, to get, beat that this year because the Biden administration has proven there's no consequence or no deterrence. The number of unaccompanied children trying to cross the border also shot up by a massive 37 percent to more than 12,000 in February. Vice President Kamala Harris, the president's border czar, has been heavily criticized by Republicans for not doing more to address the border crisis. Well, that Russian TV editor Marina Avsinikova, the woman who crashed Russia's state news broadcast Monday, to protest Russia's war on Ukraine was released following questioning by Russian authorities. She appeared on Russian TV with an anti-war sign that said, stop the war and don't believe the propaganda. They're lying to you in both English and Russian. The woman ended up being fined 30,000 rubles or 280 U.S. dollars. Ovsinikova appeared in a court in Moscow after her lawyer said they had been unable to locate her after she disappeared at the TV station. Here she is after leaving the courthouse. I made this decision by myself because I um, uh, don't like... Um, Russia, Russia started this uh, invasion, and um, it uh, was really terrible. According to a reporter from an independent Russian newspaper, the woman is charged with an administrative offense. That's a misdemeanor in Russian that carries a fine, but not a jail sentence. A billionaire oligarch accused in a BBC documentary of being Russian President Putin's money man is on the run. Chelsea football club owner Roman Abramovich has been sanctioned by the European Union. His cash and assets are also frozen. He was photographed at the Tel Aviv airport. His private jet went on to Istanbul and Moscow, and he may have fled to Russia. Abramovich faces a dwindling number of havens for his $12 billion in cash and assets. Abramovich has Israeli citizenship, but Israel says it won't be a haven for oligarchs. His yachts valued at a billion dollars. The Solaris and Eclipse are said to be headed for Turkey amid seizure threats. 
Well, CNN reporting that the United States told European and Asian allies in a diplomatic cable that China has expressed some willingness to provide financial and military aid to Russia as its war on Ukraine continues. U.S. State Department spokesman Ned Price told The Hill that the U.S. will not allow any country to compensate Russia for any of its losses. Opportunity for us to lay out very clearly our concerns uh, and the implications as we're going to be watching very closely for any form of support uh, that the PRC may seek to pass to the Russian Federation. As specifically about a reported U.S. diplomatic cable that indicated a willingness by China to help Russia, Price said that the U.S. had been coordinating with allies. A source told CNN China's leaders are not in agreement on how to respond to requests from Russia for aid. Another COVID-19 lockdown in China. It affects some 30 million people in 13 cities across China. The lockdown comes after China reported nearly 5,300 new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday alone, double the previous day's numbers. China has a zero COVID strategy. Several other Chinese cities are also under partial COVID lockdowns. The lockdowns spawned panic buying similar to what occurred during the early stages of the pandemic back in 2019. Again, I'm Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. 77 WABC Time Check 515. Let's head over to Justin Ellick with sports. Morning, Justin. Good morning, Deb. What do we got today? It's Wednesday. Look at look. That's I got right, hump day. I got this. Uh, I got this idiot in my face. Jesus. Oh All dear. Right. Oh, Sid Rosenberg oh, look, taking, making an early taking appearance. a selfie like look I'm on that. the air. This is ridiculous. All right. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. Kyrie Irving was a man possessed last night in Orlando with 41 with a 41-point first half, the likes of which hasn't been seen in the NBA in almost two decades. A career-high 60 points in total for Irving was way more than enough to lead the Nets' route of the Magic by a score of 150-108. to They'll get right back on the wagon tonight at home against the Dallas Mavericks to try and make it five straight wins. That tip-off is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. The Knicks will join the Nets in that 7.30 slot as they're set to welcome the Portland Trailblazers into the Garden. Now to the ice, where a three-headed mile monster of local uh, hockey games took over the town last night. Your hockey blue shirt survived a tight one at home against the Anaheim Ducks. Adam Fox brewed one just under a minute into overtime to hoist the Rangers to a 4-3 win. As for the Islanders, they needed extra time as well in their matchup in Washington against the Capitals, but didn't get as lucky, falling 4-3 in a shootout and falling back to 500 at 24-24 and 9 overall. The Rags and Isles will see each other next come tomorrow night at the Garden. Quick check-in on the Devils as well, who suffered a 6-3 loss in Vancouver last night against the Canucks. They'll try and bounce back tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time in Calgary against the Flames. Some relieving news for Yankees fans broke last night as uh, the Pinstripes have their first baseman for the next two years, signing back Anthony Rizzo with a $32 million contract. So that's some good news. What's some good news, though, without some bad news, as it was confirmed yesterday that unvaccinated Yankees and Mets will not be permitted to play in home games if Mayor Adams' controversial private sector mandate stands through opening day on April 7th. I guess this is why we can't have nice things. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right. Well, congratulations, Justin, for surviving an early appearance by Sid Rosenberg. Let's yeah, I, I deserve it. Thank you. That's, yes, you do. All right. Your yep. forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today are highs up to 61. Overnight increase in clouds. The lows down to 44. And we have a 50 percent chance of rain on Thursday. Cloudy skies with a high near 54. Right now, 40 degrees, partly clear skies in Manhattan. Let's head over to Frank Morano with your business report. 
I'm Frank Morano with your business report. Stocks closed out yesterday in positive territory. The market gains come as investors keep a close eye on ceasefire negotiations between Ukraine and Russia. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial gained 599 points. The S&P 500 grew by 89 points and the Nasdaq jumped up by 367 points. Russia's economy is fraying, its currency has collapsed, and its debt is junk. Next up is a potential default that could cost investors billions and shut the country out of most funding markets. Warning lights are flashing as the government kickstarts the process of paying $117 million in interest on dollar bonds today. The government says that all debt will be serviced, though it will happen in rubles as long as sanctions don't allow dollar settlements. The Wall Street Journal reports Saudi and Chinese officials are in talks to price some of the Gulf nations oil sales in yuan rather than dollars or euros. The two nations have intermittently discussed the matter for six years, but talks have reportedly stepped up in 2022 with Riyadh disgruntled over the United States nuclear negotiations with Iran and its lack of backing for Saudi Arabia's military operation in neighboring Yemen. Food delivery company DoorDash is taking steps to try and help drivers offset rising gas prices, though unlike ride-sharing apps Uber and Lyft, it says the added costs won't be passed on to consumers. DoorDash said on Tuesday that all U.S. delivery drivers will be eligible for 10% cash back on gas through a prepaid business visa debit card. The company says they'll earn cash back anytime they use the card, even when they're not working. I'm Frank Morano with your business report on 77 WABC. Be sure to come back at 1 a.m. and hear me on the other side of midnight. Thanks, Frank. And taking a look at your futures this morning, the Dow's up 300 points at 33,726. The S&P 500 up 45 and three-quarter points. The Nasdaq's climbed 224 and one-quarter points this morning. Gold is down by $8.70 to $1,921. Crude oil in the green up $1.34 a barrel at $97.78. The WABC Early News. Good morning. I'm Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. A stabbing outside of a Queens high school has left a 17-year-old male victim clinging to life. A 16-year-old stabbing victim is expected to survive. Police say the stabbing happened Tuesday morning right across from John Adams High School in South Ozone Park. Sam Esposito is president of the Ozone Block Neighborhood Association, and he spoke to NBC New York following the violence. More school safety? And, you know, I I don't have an answer, to be honest with you, because outside the school, how do you control the kids? Parents were sent a letter from the school about the incident. The school had been placed on lockdown for a time until the situation was deemed safe by police. Now, authorities say it's unclear just what sparked the fight. Well, the man accused of stabbing two employees at the Museum of Modern Art and of setting his Philadelphia hotel room on fire, arrested at a Philadelphia bus depot early Tuesday. The suspect, 60-year-old Gary Cabana, was caught about 1.30 a.m. Tuesday. He had plenty to say when he was walked out of a Philadelphia police station in handcuffs. Best cops in the United States right here, buddy. I'd like to stab everybody. Man, read my Instagram. They just made the United States safe. I'm public enemy number one. (laughs) 
Police say Cabana allegedly set his hotel room on fire Monday night, causing an evacuation. This happened at a Best Western in Philly, sparking a manhunt for him. Nobody was hurt. Cabana posted online that he is bipolar and the victim of a, quote, frame job, unquote. Officials say the U.S. Secret Service was also involved in this case because the suspect had also made threats against former President Donald Trump. The man suspected of killing two homeless people, one in New York City and the other in Washington, D.C., and injuring three others is under arrest in the nation's capital. Relatives say the suspect is identified as 30-year-old Gerald Brevard III. They say he suffers from mental illness and sleeps often on the streets. NYPD's chief of detectives is James Essig. He says it's unclear why Brevard was in New York City. He has no connections to New York, uh, as far as we can see. He's mostly a, a D.C. guy and, and other states down, down, down south. We don't have any connection to him as New York. Metro police say Brevard was charged with first-degree murder in a March 9th shooting and stabbing death of a 54-year-old homeless man. Brevard also faces charges of assault with the intent to kill and assault with a dangerous weapon in connection with two other incidents targeting vagrants. Well, the killings of the homeless are all part of a larger pattern. Since 2018, the number of homeless people killed in New York City has increased 300 percent. 22 homeless people were killed in 2021, compared to 11 in 2020, 10 in 2019, and 7 in 2018. Homeless advocates told the Washington Post holds the trend that this trend is a national one, although there is no definitive national data on that. Advocates say the violence may be fed by a perception that homeless people are a nuisance or threat to the public. Well, State Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins on Tuesday tried to shift some of the blame for Albany to Albany, refusing to tighten its lax bail reform laws onto New York's governor, Kathy Hochul. People who want to exploit the fact that we do not want to incarcerate people because they are poor. Uh, and so everything becomes a matter of quote-unquote bail reform. I think the governor has been very clear. Uh, the reforms that we did, you know, were right. A bipartisan and growing number of legislators are recommending that judges should have the discretion to order bail or detention for defendants who are repeat offenders. Despite pleas from New York City Mayor Adams to revise the controversial bail reform laws following several high-profile cases, New York's Governor Hochul says she won't cave to pressure. A comptroller's audit says the New York State Health Department intentionally misled the public about the number of nursing home deaths from COVID-19 to help former Governor Andrew Cuomo's reputation before a sexual harassment scandal forced him to resign in disgrace. The report says auditors found that DOH officials undercounted the death toll by at least 4,100 residents and at times by more than 50 percent. That allowed Cuomo to repeatedly and falsely claim that New York was doing a better job than other states in protecting highly vulnerable seniors. In a prepared statement, Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli called the audit findings extremely troubling. DiNapoli also accused the DOH of hindering his probe by delaying the production of data requested by his office, limiting auditors' access to DOH staffers not answering questions during meetings, and also not providing supporting documentation for its claims. 
Well, New York Governor Kathy Hochul's alcohol-to-go proposal could be in jeopardy after Democratic leaders in the state legislature intentionally omitted making the program permanent in their newly released state budget plans. Both the state Senate and Assembly axed the measure from their one-house budget proposals ahead of the state budget's April 1 deadline. To-go drinks provided a lifeline to bars and other eating establishments during the most severe of New York's coronavirus-related business shutdowns. Your mm-hmm. forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our highs 61, and overnight we have increase in clouds, the lows down to 44. Tomorrow, a 50% chance of rain, cloudy skies, the high up to 54. Right now, 40 degrees, mostly clear skies here in Manhattan. The long-awaited, long-planned Sandy Koufax statue will be installed in Dodger Stadium's Centerfield Plaza prior to the team's June 18th home game and in time for viewing at the July 19th Major League Baseball All-Star Game. The Koufax statue will be the second one of its kind to be installed by the club following the Jackie Robinson statue that was unveiled in 2017 and shown below in the Dodger Stadium's Centerfield Plaza. It was announced back in 2019 that Koufax would be honored in the Dodgers statue series with a 2020 unveiling plan, but the global pandemic altered those plans. 77 WABC time check, 529. Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC early news.